0: Can you hear the birds it is a gorgeous day today the skies are blue the temperatures are wonderful this is crazy exactly one week ago I was freezing filming in the town of Schiedam temperature was minus 5 degrees Celsius but there was some wind and it felt like minus 20 Celsius and today it is 15 degrees, tomorrow we'll have 18 degrees Celsius, so we're going from, if you're in North America, let's say from 20 degrees Fahrenheit to 59 degrees Fahrenheit in the span of one week I'm actually walking around without a coat it's insane, I can feel the warmth of the sun on my skin and last week i just couldn't bear the cold it was so cold that my camera kept freezing and i couldn't really work outside it was so challenging the entire city there was covered in snow and ice and i i really had to be very careful not to slip and fall and break bones whereas today it feels like you know two three months later It is a total whiplash when it comes to the weather. It's also a huge difference uh, liturgically. Just, what is it, two weeks ago, I removed my Christmas decorations on the feast of the presentation of Jesus at the temple. So the 2nd of February, I I I still had my my, uh, Christmas tree in the room and the lights and everything. It's an old tradition that I kind of brought back from Rome in the Vatican. The nativity scene stays up until the presentation of the Lord. But this year, of course, Lent starts super early. So I feel like like we went from Christmas straight into Lent. And wow, <laughs> I can't believe that Ash Wednesday was this past week. Um, so that also requires like a quick a quick change in the whole feeling. I don't know. Lent is a time of well, a little bit more austerity. I have to say that this year, you know, it feels like Lent started last year and it we didn't have a break. So it just continues for another 40 days with all the restrictions because of the pandemic. But um it's it's still such a huge change in sh- such a short time. And in a way, it, this is this is what life is all about. Sometimes life just seems to go so slowly. I mean, look at the pandemic. How long have we been waiting for this to end? And it, it's still going on. And yes, we have vaccinations now. But before we have group immunity, that can still take months. And even then when everybody has been vaccinated if that is even something that we will reach this year it will still probably take a long time before things get back to relatively normal so we have we've been been you know stuck with the situation and instead of improving it 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 got a lot worse but sometimes all of a sudden things accelerate and change and then you have to adapt. And uh, that is also something that I feel very much is happening right now in my personal life. Like change, everything is changing so rapidly. And um, it's almost like every day there is a new development and I have to adjust. So for me, the biggest change, of course, was uh, on the 1st of January, when much faster than I initially anticipated, the bishop granted me... Uh, this change of nomination where I'm now fully 100% available for my media work instead of having to divide my attention and my time between my media work internationally, locally, on national TV and also uh, the parish work that I was doing the assistance in uh, two big parishes with lots of churches I felt uh, more and more uh, like not overworked but it was just so much to do and and my time hasn't increased but the amount of work and the reach of my work has increased so tremendously that the parish became twice as big and my media work when I first got the appointment to work in the media I think that was in 2013 or 11 I, I always forget but anyway Let's say 10 years ago, I did a bit of, po- of podcasting and I had a small job uh, at the television as a presenter. So the presenter was just basically, here is the script, learn these lines by heart, and then here is a camera crew and you just go and, and film your lines. And that was it. And <laughs> that, the bishop... Uh, uh, gave me 80% of my time to do that and 20% parish assistance. In the meantime... and Oh, and then, of course, I did, like, a few podcasts and that was it. In the meantime, my, my television work has evolved into full-time documentary making. Like, I do everything myself. I film, I present, I produce, I edit. And it's reaching a much larger, larger audience than... 10 years ago um, and, and the show, instead of just me being the presenter of other people's work it's now really my TV program and I'm also, I'm carrying the program um, the online work that I do, podcasting in size has been kind of stable, I still do 2, 3 shows um, I think back then I was doing more podcasts but it's it's much more focused now, and in addition to the audio work, of course, I'm now running a YouTube channel with, uh, what is it today, I think 27,000 uh, followers, with a tremendous reach, and uh, <laughs> with with m- m- way bigger, uh, uh, let's say, goals than, than I ever set myself, especially the Idea of uh, across the road here uh, of going, you know, focusing full time on on documentaries, trying to aim for, you know, big on-demand networks, international networks like Netflix or Amazon. That is something. If you told me that ten years ago, I would have not believed it that I could ever grow to that level. Nor did I even, you know, have ambitions in that direction. So my life, my work has changed so much that it's actually quite extraordinary that I was able to combine all these different tasks up until this moment. But now it's a new phase, it's a new uh, appointment, a new focus. But it also has a ton of consequences that I did not foresee. And everything is going so quickly now, uh, right now. So one one of the big changes is that I have to move. Uh, I, I as long as I was working in the parishes, of course, I lived in the rectory here. But I'm going to move because I well, I need a new place to stay, um, and that is going to happen very quickly before the first of April. I'll be moving to a new, a new home. And I've, like, I heard that last week. I think it's the right thing to do right now. But as you can imagine, that's just five weeks from now. That is like the first of April. I think it is Holy Thursday. So that is so totally different uh, time-wise than I, than I thought it would be. So it means I've got five weeks to find a new home... But not only to find a new home, but also to move. And um, just two years ago, I moved here to this village. From the, I was living in the center of the city. Um, and, and moving from there to here, that was right before the pandemic started. That's when I moved. No, actually, that's, that's nonsense. That was a year before the pandemic. But anyway, I never thought that it, within two years... Uh, the organization that, that I was running, and I'm still running, Tridio, this is uh, it's a non-profit organization, um, so it's not it's not really a business or anything, but still, I'm not the only one working there, and I have responsibilities that go beyond my, my personal activities. Um, but I never thought that because of the pandemic and all the developments, we would... You know, first build it up so quickly, and then we, we were kind of deconstructing it so quickly. So instead of having four people working for the organization, it's now uh, back to Inge and me. And it's a lot of uh, downsizing, but I think we made the right decision because uh, we, we tried for about a year to build up a Dutch Catholic uh, network with kind of trying to apply what I'd learned on national TV to internet productions. And we learned so much in in such a short time. But what we also learned is you may have great ideas about programs that you can make for a Dutch-speaking audience, but if that audience doesn't have a clear demand for what you're making... You can do fantastic stuff, but it won't work. And it won't really uh, uh, yield a return on investment. And the investments have been tremendous that first year. And so after a year, we evaluated like you should do with any new project. And we discerned that despite all our efforts and despite the, re- the results that I'm still very happy with, this was not a viable uh development for this was not a viable direction for our organization and i also felt increasingly that it added yet another world in in a certain certain way everything that i did was so disjointed i had my regular parish work which i've been doing for 16 years now in this part of the country and i love that but it's a totally different world from the TV audience that I try to reach—I'm uh, I, I, making TV programs for people that are religious or at least interested religiously, of a like a approximately eight that are aged 70 plus. Um, so that is quite a constraint to work with because that's not my natural audience. Uh, It's similar in age to the church-going people, but it's much broader because, of course, it's on national TV. So it's not just Catholics watching. Oh, look at that. Flowers. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that is too cool. We've got these beautiful purple... I, I don't know the name in English, but anyway, these flowers that you see at the beginning of springtime. What? That's the first sign of spring that I see today crazy, what a, it's so insane I think nature itself is like, wait what, like, a few days ago it was like, really wintry, and now it's springtime? Alright, let's get the flowers up uh, where is this leading me maybe this is just an entry maybe this road leads to private property I'm not sure If these are houses, this is definitely a barn, and I've never taken this direction oh yeah that's definitely a farm but maybe there maybe the road continues there I no, oh that's just a <laughs> I see cars so that's not where I want to be I want to stay in the forest so anyway um, the uh, what was I saying I don't know okay yes the, the juxtaposition of these different worlds so parish work what planet one TV work Planet 2, online podcasting, World 3. And then just recently, because of the pandemic, we added World 4. And that was online masses and streaming. And that opened a whole new dimension to my work as a priest. Because all of a sudden, I felt I was a priest with an apostolate with a very pastoral dimension to it but international and in English which has never been part of what I did online and so it it became very clear that you can't juggle all these balls at the same time you have to choose and you have to focus add add to that my own feeling that it was time for like a new step forward in quality and in um when it comes to you know the type of things that I want to dedicate my time to instead of making these half hour shows that are on TV once and that are watched I mean that's a sizable audience It's you know on a good day about 80,000 people will watch and then there is a repeat of the show a few days later so in total I think every episode reaches about 100,000 people that's not bad but it's you know (laughs) the downside of working like that is after that one showing on t v it's over, and it disappears on in a digital archive. It stays online I think um for for on demand for about a year or two years, and then it's completely gone, and you can't access it anymore seriously, that is not what I want um, what I would like to do is make programs that are that stay available for people and that can um, have a certain timelessness to it. Now everything, of course, ages and if I look back at stuff that I made years ago, like the other day I was going through my YouTube channel because someone was, um, was wondering if I'd ever been to the Isle of Skye in Ireland and I said, or, is it Ireland? No, that's in Scotland, sorry if I'd ever been to the Isle of Skye because of, I think they saw something of my more recent trip to Scotland and I, I went back into my archives and I found that those vlogs that I made in Scotland a few years ago. One of which was filmed on the Isle of Skye. And I look back at that and I'm thinking, oh wow, that is so dated. I would never edit it like that anymore. So every time I go back into the past, I see how much I've learned and improved. Um, but still, you can, you can still watch those vlogs and, and enjoy them. And the fact that they're still online uh, is, for me, is important because it means that I didn't do all that work for just, you know, a time span or a lifespan of two years. Um, So anyway, it's all these changes are good and it was, I think, the right decision to scale back the work um, on that Dutch Catholic channel because the Netherlands is such a small country. And then the amount of Catholics that are actively searching um, online social media for Catholic content that is a tiny niche of already a tiny niche so yeah as much as I still think that we did a good job it wasn't the right direction and it uh, prevented us from investing in things that would have a, a broader reach and would I don't know we've I think that we're right now on, on, a, on the road towards something that's much more um, effective uh, more effective, and a better use of my time than what I did a few years ago. But anyway, as I said, consequences. It's, it means moving, trying to find the right place. Now, of course, my situation as a priest is very different from other priests in my diocese. All of those other colleagues that I have... Um, work most of them full-time some of them part-time in a parish but for me I don't have that situation so who is going to house me? I can't just request um, a home like other priests because church law is actually very very well thought out so a, a diocesan priest um falls under the responsibility of a bishop, not just in terms of him ultimately deciding what you can and what you can't do, but there is also a reciprocity in that relationship. So if a priest gives his life to the church, the church should take care of the priest. In my situation, of course, it's a little bit different because I'm doing this media thing, which is not really limited to the to the boundaries of my diocese. Um, and so the my uh, investment in the diocese is sm- in a certain way smaller maybe than most of my colleagues, but also the responsibility of the diocese for me and for my uh, uh, let's say the kind of the, the how would you say that <laughs> my life housing etc is also much smaller um, as I explained in the past i'm uh, i'm able to work in the media because I'm financing everything myself Um, that is not a burden that my diocese would like to carry because well again of the more universal nature of the work that I do so now with this housing situation as well if I uh, move then it's not like a parish priest a regular parish priest who would just ask the bishop so where are you sending me and where am I going to live that's up to the local church in my case I have to figure that out myself so you can imagine that having five weeks to figure that out to find a new home that is in the center of the country because of the nature of my work I can't really I mean my diocese is huge stretches out all the way to the east to the German border but I can't live near the German border because it would take me three hours to go to certain parts of the country where I'm supposed to work because my TV show, of course, covers the Catholic Church everywhere and all the dioceses so I need to be able to travel there film and travel back and if I live in a remote part of the diocese it's not possible to do that at least not with the budget that I currently have Of course, those of you that live in countries like Canada and (laughs) even just in the state of Texas, you know, to go from one part of Texas to the other side, that's like traveling three times the distance that you would travel from one part of the Netherlands to the other part. So then again, in other countries, I wouldn't be able to do this kind of work. Um, So I'm currently investigating some options for a home in the center of the country and another thing that I personally find very important is uh, that I want to kind of stay connected emotionally (laughs) but also physically to the church there's a lot of mud here so this was all frozen over a week ago but now the snow has melted and all that water has turned this path into a huge river of mud. Which is just as slippery as when it was frozen over. Alright. So, uh, the, the <laughs> it's, it's going to be quite something to find the right location. I think I'm onto something. Um, but it I've, I've really been a bit stressed out. Like, wow... I gotta find a new place to live before Holy Week, and then I have to move. And uh, if I look at how much time it took me to uh, make my current the rec- directory where I currently live, how to kind of make that feel like a place, like feel like home. My gosh, that took two years. Now I don't have that luxury, so I need to find something that is suitable to live in and, and get it ready to live there in five weeks. It means I have to really trust Providence. And uh, the, the comfortable thing to do, or let's say if I would dream things up, I would say I need at least half a year to find a new place and to move and, well get it, make it so that it feels like home. But instead of half a year, I have five weeks. So, (laughs) I have no other option than to trust that God will provide. And I know from experience that you don't need much. Um, I've been living for 60 days on the road, carrying only the clothes I was wearing and an extra pair in my... Backpack and the total amount of weight I had in my backpack was six kilograms, and that included some equipment, a camera, and a tripod. so I lived on nothing, almost nothing for uh, for sixty days um, and I never ever felt that I was missing something. so I always remind myself of that you know what is the what is the least what is the the essential what are the essentials that you need to, to, to live and to be happy well for me it's simple I need somehow a connection to a church I need to be able to celebrate mass um, for me these, these international masses are a way t- for me to uh, to function as a priest Sunday mass even though it's not for a physical parish but being able to share that with an international audience it, which is not an audience because that implies passivity it is, it's an online parish I don't think I could give that up and I don't think that God wants me to give that up because that's what you know it's the core it's the heart of what makes me a priest so that's number one the second thing is um, what do I need? a bed Preferably under a roof. <laughs> and the third thing is I need a place where I can eat. And that is not necessary necessarily uh, my own house. I, when I was on the road to Santiago, I, every day I slept in a different place and I ate in a different restaurant. Um, very simple food. Even in the morning... I would oftentimes just go to a local supermarket along the way, get myself a baguette, like, like a, a piece of bread, and um, like this, uh, these little cubes of, of cheese that I would take with me, and then I would just eat that. And I'd buy a cup of coffee in a, in a bar um, after about the first hour of walking. And I was able to survive perfectly fine. So worst-case scenario... You know, a tent and a and a mattress would, would suffice. Um, but preferably, of course, I'll go for something a little bit more stable. But it's a good exercise, again, if you're in a situation where the future is in uncertain. Instead of trying to hold on to what you have and uh, the comforts that come with it, especially for me, kind of mental comfort, the fact that I don't have to worry about... Um, my home uh, i gotta give that up and just trust that the next couple of months are going to be an adventure um, where ultimately you don 't need that much, and all the rest is superfluous. So if things come together real quickly, you know that i 'm just going to see that as a gift of God. if it doesn 't come together, then God will find a way i 'll find a way. Um, so it's for me this time of Lent and I'm in the same boat as you are you're in this time of year and maybe I don't know if you are observing any Lenten practices but every year I ask myself what could I do Um, how can I use this time of grace to find ways to learn and to um, to grow this is time of growth now what makes you grow in life it's usually not comfort it's usually not status quo if you look at back at the times in your life where you felt that you really learned something important that you 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 were able to let go of things, you, you discovered who you truly are um, you you made new friends You discovered new dimensions of the world around you, or maybe even new talents that you didn't know you had. Those new things in your life, that growth, almost always happened when things were changing. That happened in times of crisis, in times of loss, in times of maybe hardship initially. And it's in hindsight that you see how much you've, you've, you've grown, and how much that time, that, at the, at maybe at, it, during the the the, the changes, you felt very uncomfortable, but it it forced you to adapt, it forced you to learn, it forced you to um, step out of your comfort zone, and open yourself to new experiences. Hello, <laughs> two people sitting under a tree for a picnic, why not it is still unbelievable that you can just be outside and have a picnic under a tree in the same location where a week ago ducks were freezing to death (laughs) anyway um, so that's what I keep telling myself and and that thought has been very comforting because I'm I'm kind of the type of guy who stresses out when things are changing, um, and I get easily stressed and worried. And I'm—I'm very—I have a tendency, which I think I inherited from my parents. Well, not really genetically, but definitely in the way I was brought up. I tend to always think immediately of the worst-case scenario. And when I heard that I had to find a new home, <laughs> well, if I'm totally honest, that really. Made me lose some sleep because I did not know how that would come about. But that's just human. Uh, even the Virgin Mary didn't know what how things would would happen to her when she received the message from the angel. I mean, I'm talking about Whitlash. You're going to be the mother of the Son of God. Um, click here for yes. Click here for no. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm not even married. What are you talking about? So it's that's normal to freak out a little bit when you hear that your life is about to take a totally different turn from what you expected. Wow, this is one big pool of mud. I can't go around it because there are prickly bushes there. I can't reach that part of the path. Oops this <laughs> <Hold on. laughs> uh, can i jump over this can i stand here or am i going to oh no my goodness that is like really deep mud wait let's see if i can go on the, Let... the left side it's probably the least muddy option oh my there we go <laughs> Um, So I tend to think in in terms of problems In terms of Stress and loss And and I don't like that And I have a hard time Adapting to these changes Um, But More and more I've learned to look at the other side Uh, One thing that has helped me Tremendously in these past few weeks What's that sound that I hear? Is there a bird or something? Huh. I don't know what that was. Anyway, uh, what really helped me to step away from the stress was one of these books that I read uh, from this Scottish author that I talked about a few... It feels like a few weeks ago that I was walking in exactly this same spot here in the woods. And it was, I was sharing how much I love that book, which is by Gary something, not Gary, uh, the other Gary. But anyway, and I think the book was called Un-F-Your-Life or something like that. F, of course, referring to a word that I shall not speak and no one shall speak. But (laughs) despite the slightly provocative title, the book was really good. and, And the gist of it was, we're always dreaming of a life that is interesting and, and and enriching and successful and <laughs> but let's be honest things go wrong in life not everything is is a success and some people in, uh, that you encounter are going to be really irritating people that mess up your life and frustrate you and instead of fighting it embrace it That's just what life is all about. And you're not an exception. This happens to everyone. There will be times in your life where everything you thought you had is gonna be taken away from you. And instead of putting yourself in a victim role and complaining about it and feeling sorry for yourself, instead of wasting all that energy and all that time doing that, embrace it, turn the page and ask yourself what can I do in this given situation and there's always so much more that is positive that you can do than the negativity that you can uh, lose yourself in if you're not careful so that whole idea of that it is okay for life to sometimes be difficult for people to be difficult even for yourself to fail and to not meet your own expectations it's okay because everyone has those moments in life and the difference between people is you have people that embrace it move on and focus as quickly as possible on what is possible kind of half glass, half full, half empty it's it's basically that so you, you can or you have people that can stay stuck in the past become resentful and bitter or cynical, which I think is even worse than bitter. Um, and I've had I've had this fight for months now, where I, I'm constantly kind of uh, put under stress because things are changing. Sometimes it is change that I initiated myself. Sometimes it's change that I did not expect, that I did not want. But I still have to deal with it, and I I'm constantly torn between let's say the Father Roderick who has had a certain upbringing, who has a tendency to not look at the bright side of things, but instead kind of painting the bleakest picture so that maybe what happens is an improvement over your worst case scenario. That's kind of been, it's a, it's a coping strategy. And I've seen that with my parents as well. They they used to do that. They, had, they have changed, but I remember that in the past um they, when we were, at, you know, after dinner, we would always talk for hours. And sometimes my parents would get so depressed about stuff. And like, oh, that's never going to work. And this is going to happen. And maybe that is going to happen. And it was so dark that oftentimes I was like, oh, come on, it can't be that bad. And uh, and I was supposed to, you know, I was trying to cheer them up and make them look at the the upside of things. But I, 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 I notice in myself that I do have that tendency as well to just completely stress out when things are not going what, in the way, the way I thought it would, they would go, which is ultimately just an insecurity. You know, and um, training yourself to deal with change is, is that, it's, tra- it's trainable, And the only way to train it is to put yourself in situations where things are changing. It's like sports. I use this metaphor so often. If you want to run a marathon, you have to tell your legs that it's not enough to go for a short walk of five minutes. No. If one day you do five minutes, then you do ten minutes, then you start running a little bit for for a few minutes, and then your legs are like, what the what now? (laughs) And then the next day, instead of giving in and and say, oh, it's just a joke, you know, let's relax. Now you put your legs under even more stress and you go run for 10 minutes and then 20 and then half an hour and then ultimately you end up running a marathon for hours and hours. So in sports, we know that that is the only way to make progress is put yourself under stress. And for, the, for your body, oftentimes stress is changed. It's, it's like your muscles are growing because they are adapting to a situation of stress and even, in a certain way um, damage when when, you're, when you want to bulk up, as they say in the world of bodybuilding, what you basically do is you damage your muscles a little bit and then they heal but in the healing they get stronger That that is the me- metaphor I think that is very useful to calm yourself when you're confronted with stress and sudden changes in your life don't panic because if you embrace it and you work hard to get over the the bumps on the road and you see it as an opportunity to discover new aspects of life you know, to to enhance your adaptability, to deal with change um, in the end you'll, you'll grow stronger And when I say you, actually, I'm talking to myself. I say, you'll get stronger, Father Roderick. So don't run away from it. Don't waste too much. I mean, it's okay to to feel sometimes a bit threatened by change. That's human. It's okay to sometimes find a small comfort in feeling a victim of things. It's a natural reaction. But you have to snap out of it as soon as possible and tell yourself time and again change is not bad change is neutral things change you cannot control the world around you how people the choices people make situations that change oftentimes that happens without us having anything to do with it and so it's useless blaming others or blaming yourself for the stress that change causes it's much more productive to tell yourself hey I'm not sitting in the back of the car here. I'm sitting at the wheel, and it's up to me. You know, you won't blame the road for being bumpy. No, you you adjust your driving style. If you're if you're driving around in the Pyrenees and there is one turn after another, and it's dangerous and everything, you're not going to yell at the road. (laughs) The road isn't. Isn't the problem what at least? I don't know, maybe you are yelling at the road sometimes, but I'm like, okay, this is a challenge. I need to survive this. Okay, how are we gonna do this? All right, maybe I should slow down, maybe I should accelerate. Look at how much I gain by taking this road, even though it's not the most, the safest, and the most comfortable one. But once you're at the top of the mountain, you've got an amazing view. That's kind of how it is, often is in life. So, to wrap things up, this time of Lent is a time that is as useful or useless as you make it. For me, and I can't speak for you, this, this time of Lent, and this is without any merit, is a time where I let myself challenge by the, by the changes in my life. Um, I adapt to it. When it was snowing and cold and freezing, my initial thought was, oh, I hate it, I can't work in this kind of weather. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. What if I do an episode about Saint Lidwina, who is a saint in the Netherlands who fell on the ice, and that's how she, that was the beginning of her road to sainthood. Uh, let's turn this disadvantage into an advantage. It was a tough day, but I'm super happy with the results. Now with this, these changes in my personal life... Um, yeah, changing from Christmas to Lent so quickly, it's a bit of a whiplash. But at the same time, Lent couldn't come at a better moment. Because I know this is a time of growth. It is a time where you are encouraged to let go of things... I've got a whole bunch of things that I have to let go of very, very quickly, much more rapidly than I would normally prefer. But the faster you change, the faster you see results. And the more uncertain the situation is, the more you're pushed to faith, trusting in God's providence, um, which can only be a pious thought unless it is put to the test. And unless you put yourself in a situation where you really have no choice but to trust God. And I, I feel like I'm a little bit in that situation right now. I have no... Um, humanly, this is quite, a, quite an ordeal. <laughs> a few weeks to move and to find a new place. And uh, I have some, well, important things, I I think, on my wish list that are legitimate to ask for as a priest. But i 'll have to answer that question, or God will have to answer that question i don 't have a quick solution for this so um, the faster you embrace this uh, this time of, of deprivation in a certain way, uh, the more you will discover what to hold on to. Um, the other day, like a week ago, I think I also integrated this in my homily for Ash Wednesday if you 've seen the International stream, uh, you may have heard that, but um, I was so I got a phone call at the end of the day. I was super tired <laughs> after walking around in the snow and filming and interviewing, um, but that, it was this journalist, and she said, uh, "Hey, I've got a problem. Maybe you can help me." I had scheduled an interview with a, a person, um, and there's a there's a deadline right now that person is unable to do the interview would you i know from tv that you're someone who is (laughs) who's not afraid of talking and usually has a good story can you do the interview i was like what is it about she said well um it's about half a page and i asked people what is a motto or a phrase or a thought that has helped you has pulled you through in this time of the pandemic um so I gave it some thought. I said, I'll call you back at the end of the day. And I was like completely blanking out. Like, I'm, I'm really not the person to have these, you know, catchphrases or anything. And I just couldn't think of anything. And then what I usually do is I, I just awaken the geek in me. And the geek in me said, Yoda? And I said, no. <laughs> this newspaper is not for people, the audience that reads this newspaper is not going to have mercy on me if I (laughs) talk about a little green guy in a swamp. That is, uh, most people will not have an idea what I'm talking about. Second thought. Second thought was what about Tolkien? Tolkien is always good. When you have to say something profound yet geeky, Tolkien is your guy. So I'm thinking, hmm, hmm, hmm. Okay, what is what is a good what is a good Tolkien quote? And immediately came to me is like it's got to do with leaving the Shire, um, because well, I feel a little bit like Frodo and Bilbo; they have to leave their home and go on an adventure. But I also feel very much like Bilbo in that uh, there's only part of me that really wants to go on an adventure, and there's another part of me that is perfectly fine where he is. So, I um, googled some quotes and I found this phrase. I thought it was Gandalf that told Frodo, but it actually turns out it's Bilbo, which I misinformed the newspaper and then uh, my friend uh, Father Harry, who is a huge... Hey, hi, guys. (laughs) It's one of my parishioners who's a biker. He's got this uh, amazing bike. It looks like a banana, literally. It's yellow and blue. It looks like a Chiquita banana. And he's... Not sitting on the bike he 's lying in it. the whole thing is super straight it looks like a extraterrestrial navigation or rover or something like that um, and the fact that he 's lying in, in the inside the bike, he can reach speeds that go up to fifty kilometers per hour it 's insane because apparently the transmission of your energy is more efficient when you 're in a lying position anyway uh, Father Harry writes me like uh, that was a great article and as a fellow Tolkien geek I want to tell you that it was actually not Gandalf saying that but that was Bilbo talking to Frodo. The quote was um, it is dangerous outside your door Frodo and if you don't watch your step you never know where the road is going to lead you. Something to that extent which is exactly it was a beautiful translation of how I felt at that moment like it's dangerous to step out of your door. Well, we all know that it's a reality for all of us because because of COVID. It's literally when you go and uh, to the for groceries, you have I've, at least I feel a little bit of attention. It's like, mm, it's it's dangerous out there. Um, but it's also this kind of more existential angst, like leaving a familiar situation. ...is dangerous, feels dangerous. The world outside, what is comfortable and safe... ...is your home and what you're used to. The moment Frodo steps out of his door... ...he doesn't know where the road will will take him. But it is an adventure. And not knowing where the road will take you... ...you can interpret that in a negative way... ...but also in a positive way. There is something new to discover. And both Bilbo and Frodo, of course during their journey the more they step away from the shire the more they discover middle earth they meet friends they amass riches in the case of bilbo it's this huge treasure (coughs) guarded by the dragon but of course that's just a metaphor for the treasure that he discovers along the way and so that is The phrase that I picked and then I talked a little bit about, you know, what it meant to get COVID and how much uh, I discovered the value of friendship during that time. And even during recovery, uh, having all that support from my online community um, has made me appreciate that uh, wonderful, totally invisible community, but real, sometimes even more real than a physical community, how much that has carried me through. So that phrase, in a sense, goes both ways. It is, yes, it is dangerous to step outside your door. And I was thinking, of course, not just of COVID, but also of the, well, the upcoming weeks and months. Um, but it's the only way to discover, to learn, to expand your horizon, and ultimately to encounter new friends. And so, yeah, in many ways, that interview actually helped me process what was going on Um, just as much as what I'm sharing with you now is as it often is with the walk it's the fruit of kind of a thought process that I had to go through myself first and it helps to give meaning to what is happening to you because the way you think and the way you talk about what's happening to you is also making things happen it's very very powerful if if you choose the road of denial, fear, resentment, you will actually feel fearful and you will feel that resentment and you will be unhappy. But if you choose to tell yourself and I really had to do that. I had to tell myself, especially when I was stressing out, like this is an adventure. This is a challenge. Yes, it hurts, but it, it hurts in a good way. It hurts like training for a marathon hurts. You know pain like that. And you also never regretted it because it made you stronger and healthier. Trust the process. That is going to happen right now as well. Um, and the more you learn to interpret this process in a positive way, the more you'll be able to teach it. So there's even an additional advantage. It's not just that you yourself uh, learn how to cope with change. But by going through this process and experiencing both sides, both the anguish and the anxiety, which was real, and still sometimes kind of like a panic of like, oh, provided I'm going to find something. Oh, my gosh, why is everything changing? Um, Knowing that side of the story but also knowing how powerful it is to choose because it's a decision to choose to interpret this in a positive way and to challenge yourself, to let yourself be brought outside your comfort zone. That is something you can also hopefully teach other people that are struggling with the same kind of issues and maybe in, in, in a way more dramatic way than you will ever experience. That's what I hope. As more than hoping, I know that that is what happens because it's, it's one of the real benefits of growing older. Because if you've gone through a lot of, you know what, and that is why you can help other people that are going through the same or similar situations. And that's also how you become relatable. Nothing is more irritating than someone who knows it all, but never demonstrates that that person has been in the same situation as you. Have you ever been in in church and you hear a homily and it's all like pious and... (laughs) Very lofty theological thoughts, and you're thinking, Well, you dude, but you're not in my situation. That's easy to say, (laughs) but (laughs) put yourself in my shoes and then we'll talk again. So, this is a wonderful time. It's a scary time, it is a time of huge change. And if I walk around here in this village and I see the beautiful St. Joseph's Church, place where I currently live, yeah. really giving up something I'm really letting go but I also know that I can't, I see what I have but I can't see what is still ahead of me and that's a good thing but you can only discover what's ahead of you if you let go of what's behind you that is what I wanted to share with you thank you so much for the privilege of your time I wish you a wonderful time of Lent if you ever have any questions or you need some advice or anything, never hesitate to let me know if you're a patron go to the discord server we have different groups where you can share your situation with a very understanding and supportive community if you're not a patron um there are also other venues through which you can reach me um and i hope i really hope you do (laughs) because being a priest in the media doesn't mean that it's just one way i I'm here for you. And if if it weren't for the community, I wouldn't be doing this work. It would be useless. So anyway, keep me in your prayers. I keep you in my prayers. Again, have a wonderful first week of Flint, and we'll talk soon. God bless.